What's up, everybody? Welcome, welcome back to another episode welcome. of Let's Chat It Up Now. Yes, let's chat it up now in the house. Let's chat it up now. So, we're back here in the studio just recording, and um, we are going to be discussing the mysteries of mental health the tonight. Another of episode of that health. one, the mysteries. But first, we want to give a shout out to our sponsor. Shout out. Silver Fox Media. Silver Fox in the house. What's up? What's up? What's up? So Silver Fox is the bomb.com. And yes, they are. If you um, don't know how to get in touch with Silver Fox Media, I would like to share their email on their website. It's silverfox with two X's media.com. And they're our sponsors and everything that we're doing with podcasting. We um, learned quite a bit there. We were uh, inspired, um, kind of taught how to, you know, use different um, podcasting equipment. I was about to say devices, technology, language, language, marketing, voice, sound, personality, all that stuff. And so character shout out to our sponsor, Silver Fox Media. So. Um, yeah, if you want to reach out to them, they have um, some introductory sessions coming up about their new um, season or classes for podcasting. And so reach out to Silver Fox Media. They are really, really, really helpful. Reach in out. Getting um, you started on this particular journey of podcasting. So we're here back here for another episode of Let's Chat It Up Now. We are here because we are a listening space that bridged the gap between two communities the church and the unchurch yeah 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 and that we all deal with the same issues so same issues same issues so instead of uh church people being self-righteous saying oh um i'm better than you or you know i'm saving you're not or the unchurch being like um no you think you're more than me and this and the other we all deal with the same issues, right? Same issue because, you know, the church has narcissism and so do the church have narcissism. I'm just saying. So we all, we all deal with the that's same issues. That's a different issues. topic. That is a different topic. So tonight we want to talk about the mysteries of mental health. Um, and last time we talked about vulnerability. Um, and tonight we really want to deep dive into accountability and responsibility. Um, or responsibility and accountability because responsibility come with doing the task of taking care of your mental health. And then mm-hmm. accountability is that you are doing the responsibility mm-hmm. to take care of your mental health. And we don't like that. Y'all, we don't like, we don't like responsibility and accountability. We don't in any area of science, we don't. but especially adulting, <laughs> I think uh, mental health has one of the places that have been, um, uh, Untreated. So I want to give you a few statistics tonight before we start. And then my wife is going to dive into um, some conversation about um, mental health, defining mental health, what is mystery and all of that. But according to John Hopkins, an estimated 26 percent of Americans um, 18 and older, that's one in four adults suffer from a diagnosable mental condition. Mm. One in four adults, 18 and over. And then we go over to 35 to 50 percent of those people after they're diagnosed, it goes untreated. Mm. 
So as we begin to talk about the accountability and the responsibility of what we need to do to make sure that our mental health is intact, um, we're going to be deep diving into some of the discussion. So I'm going to turn it over to my wife and tell us, uh, since this is the mysteries of mental health. <laughs> yeah, I hate that it's a mystery because it really is in, on both sides, the church and unchurch, a mystery because um, nobody wants to talk about it. Mm-hmm. So it's left in the dark. Yeah. But um, I just want to give language to what we're talking about, basically. And so with me, I like to give understanding of what we're doing. And so when we're talking about mysteries of mental health, let's begin to look at some definitions. Okay. So with mystery, when you hear the word mystery, of course, where it's like a secret or it's like, ooh. Oh, taboo. yeah. But mysteries is defined as anything that is kept secret or remains unexplained or unknown. It can also be any un- affair, thing or person that presents features or qualities so obscure as to arouse curiosity or speculation. So it's a puzzling it's type a of puzzling. thing. I really like that piece about remain unexplained and mm-hmm. unknown because I think for so long in mental health, <clears throat> it has been unexplained. Right. Nobody really took the time out to explain mm-hmm. what is mental health and, and to really understand that it's not a quote unquote disease that, you know, mm. I, I mean, it is a disease, mm-hmm. but it's not the disease where, Oh my God, it's contagious, contagious or you can die or from it. You can die from it. Or right. it's like this uh, taboo of a disease. Right. But, Right. Um, I think it's something that we need to learn more about. We yes. help more into, you know, we get checkups on our bodies, our hearts. But do we get checked up on our mind and do well-being? Do we get checked up on our mind, our brain, and our well-being? So That is the mental health component. That is the mystery because we deny ourselves of, the, of our brain. We deny ourselves of our well-being. And so from the psychological point of view um it it states mental health is the well-being and satisfactory adjustment to society Mm -hmm. and to the ordinary demands of life so it's the field of medicine concerns with the maintenance or achievement of such well-being and adjustment Mm. so when we begin to look at mental health, it's not something that we have to run away from or we have to deny ourselves of. It's something that we have to learn to adjust with. So that goes into the responsibility and accountability. And, you know, when I saw another um, definition that I like as well, when I was looking, um, when I look up in my books and stuff, um, it says mental health includes our emotional psychological and social well-being it affects how we think how we think how we feel and act and helps determine how we handle stress related to others and make choices so this is why I always say everybody in the whole wide world is dealing with some type of mental health because you have to learn how to deal with the way you think the way you feel the way you act um, it even how you handle stress, we all deal with stress. Can no one say they are stress free in today's time? 
Right. I'm sorry. From the time you come into the world to the time you die, you're dealing with some level of stress. Um, and even when you're dealing with others, we get stressed or we get confused or we get frustrated or however you want to put it, or we get angry with people when we're dealing with relationship, when we're dealing with trying to build a relationship, when we're trying to be friends with someone or a coworker or your boss or whatnot, you get, you get frustrated. There's a stress there because you're trying to figure someone out or you're trying to figure out how to be in that relationship. So that's a stress factor and making choices. Can someone tell me it's easy making choices when it's time to make those difficult choices? Yeah, I want to spend a little time right there. So as we talk about um, responsibility and accountability, Mm -hmm. I think one of the hardest spaces um, when it comes to responsibility is taking the responsibility to analyze or um, what's the word I want to use? really process the way that we think um and we we don't like to take the responsibility to to go back and say i think like this because or mm-hmm. uh, in most of the time it comes from how we were raised um childhood trauma um things like that and to take the responsibility to understand how i think and how i process can bring up some painful memories. Mm-hmm. And so how do we walk through that process of understanding that if I'm going to renew my mind, as the Bible would say, I have to take the responsibility to begin to process and break down how and why I think the way that I do. So the first thing is we got to stop denying ourselves a happiness of joy. That's the first thing. Um, and that also goes to, Another uh, viewpoint, um, a lot of times in mental, when we deal with mental health, is because we're denying ourselves a personal responsibility. Mm. We deny ourselves a personal responsibility, the personal responsibility of dealing with ourselves, mm-hmm. looking at the person in the mirror, mirror, or even evaluating the mistakes because we so quit to blame society what's wrong with me, or we quit to blame family friends job whatever what is wrong with me instead of just sitting down and say okay I made this decision based off what was it impulse was it because of what I'm used to or is because of what I was told to do or how I was raised or is a generation um, viewpoint perspective on things or is it because I read a book and a book told me to do this and I was obedient to the book Mm-hmm. And so we deny ourselves a personal responsibility because we refuse to look at ourselves and start dealing with the inner self. And so this is what I always tell everyone, no matter what you who you believe in and what walk of life you in. If you want to start dealing with healing, you have to start dealing with self first, because oftentimes we cause that affliction we cause that frustration we cause that pain because we allowed that person in mm-hmm. or we allowed that thought to come in or we allowed that situation to begin to take root in our lives and we manifest on it we 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 start building on that root because of how we want someone to like us or we want to be accepted 
We want to be loved. We want to be all these things instead of being true to ourselves. Because let's put it this way. Say, for instance, someone come to you and like, hey, um, let's go skydiving. I'm saying that because I want to skydive. Let's go skydiving. But you are afraid of heights. You do not want to go skydiving, but because you want to please this person, you want this person to like you, you're going to go do it. Now you just invited stress. You just invited trauma. You just invited pain. You just invited all these things. And then after the event happened, you're upset with this person. You look at this person a certain way, or that person will look at you a certain way because you wasn't 100 through the whole event. And so, or another situation is um, something comes up where someone has a thought. Well, I think we should do X, Y, and Z, or we should challenge the government. We should challenge this. Oh, yes, I agree because I believe in this and I, and I have this connection. I have that connection. We can do this. And we do. Okay, well, let's connect. So this person is waiting, waiting for you to connect them with someone so they can start dealing with policy and procedures and kind of find out you don't have no connection. You just said that in the moment because you want to be light. So we lie to ourselves and we lie to others so we can be light. So we denying ourselves our personal responsibility of having joy or happiness because we're trying to fit in where we shouldn't be. That is a form of mental illness. Because you are putting yourself in a situation to think in a way or be in a way that it was never designed or created for you to be. So you mean to tell me this happens to those in the church and the unchurched? Absolutely. But I'm in the church and I'm saved though. You can be in the church and saved and still lie. But see, we don't want to talk about how lying alters your mindset. Lions alter the way you see things. Lion alter your point, uh, your perspective. Um, lion alters the way that you hear. Lion will alter your reality of life. So you will lie so much and you'll begin to live in your false reality. Yeah. And it's not adding up to the reality of the time frame that we're living in. And so it doesn't matter if you save or unsave. When you continue to lie, you're living in a false reality, which got to the point to where you're stressing yourself out trying to keep up with your lie or you're you might not be stressed because this is your habit this is your norm but you have altered your mindset you have altered the way that you hear the way that you see that is in a healthy way because when you realize I don't have any friends I can't no one is inviting me um, I can't do this. I can't because nobody wants to be around me. And then when you start talking to someone or you go get help, that's the first thing they're going to point out to you. But well, why do you feel like you have to lie to fit in? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I was sitting here thinking uh, you have like pathological liars out there. So lying can actually be an addiction. Absolutely. It is an addiction when you continue to lie. I mean, there. Of course, we're human. We're going to lie somewhere because we don't want to hurt somebody's feelings or we just want to, you know, be an scapegoat or something like that. But when you constantly lie and trying to make yourself glorified or you're trying to make yourself look good or put yourself on a pedestal or put yourself in a job, I, I'm from from even from someone that I knew from a job perspective, lie, I can do this. I have these qualities. I can do this and I do that. So they gave them the, the, this position 
And when they got in the position, they couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. So you lie your way into a position. And then when it's given to you, you cannot handle the responsibility. And then you can't even take accountability of what you have lied your way into because that person kept deflecting and kept blaming others until it took the whole office to go to the higher hierarchy, the higher person <laughs> and be like, no, we're doing our job. Here is our proof. They're not. And then it was like to everything was pointed to that person. That's when they said, oh, okay, yeah, I can't do it. But it took months. It was like a six months process. And why would it have to take six months process when you could have just said from the gate, I do not have these qualities. But if you train me and show me, I'm sure I can do the job. So one of the key factors I hear in this um, conversation as we're talking right now is honesty. Yes. Um, We have to be honest about where we are. We have to be honest about what we need to process through and we have to be honest enough not to deny ourselves of our happiness and our joy right because we learn we learn unhealthy things as a child so even from a psychological point of view and you can reach this you can research this when you start looking um at clinical information on mental health um on psychology about mental health you'll begin to see this Um, one of the things is that mental health is not hardwired at birth. Mm. It is not hardwired at birth. And I see that and I have to agree because we do not come out of our mother's womb automatically diagnosed with these things and we automatically not have these things. Trauma put us in these stressful situations. A lot of diagnoses that are out here today is because of what happened to our brain. Trauma has happened to our brain. Either it did happen in the womb because of drugs, alcohol, whatnot, mess with the child's brain while it was developing in the mother's womb. Or when you came out of the mother's womb, trauma have set in. And when I speak of trauma, it's not necessarily someone beating you mm-hmm. or, you know, you got in a car accident. Trauma can happen to a child. And I, and I really hope parents are listening. And even if you are 18, you're listening to this awareness or evaluating. Trauma can happen to you based off your environment. So you can be in the most healthiest family. Your parents or your mom or your dad, if you were raised by a single parent, they can be loving you, giving you everything you need, positive affirmation, all of those things. But your environment can traumatize you. And once you experience some level of trauma, it does it does damage to your brain, and I'm gonna get into that. But it does um, trauma to, to your brain, and then it start your brain start forming around that trauma, which puts you into anxiety. It puts you in stress. It puts you in depression. And if it's severe trauma, then we go into bipolar. Then we go into schizophrenic. Then we go into borderline personality. We go into all these things, and you can look it up for yourself you will begin to see how all these diagnoses out here in this world comes from trauma. It doesn't come from birth. It comes from trauma. And so in when my husband was talking about a disease and I said, mm, because now in today's society, in today's times, a lot of doctors and therapists are looking at the way that our brain is functioning into a disease model. 
I want y'all to hear me. It's into a disease model. They called it a disease model train. Mm. And so it's based on your happiness. So it says based on the disease model, it sees emotional distress as a disease. So when you are emotional distress, they see that as an, a disease. So how do they diagnose your brain? Not diagnose you, but how do they diagnose your brain? And so that's what they're, that's why mental health has been this taboo or this mystery it's because our brain is very fragile. It is a mystery per se. And so now they're looking at how do we begin to diagnose a person brain that is going through emotional distress? That is trauma. When you go through trauma, it puts your brain through stuff. So I can go get in a car accident and I come out fine, but someone else can go get into a car accident. It can be a rear end. It can be a side swipe, but that's trauma to them. Now they have emotional distress. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's why I want to bring um, clarity to. And so the disease model train used to see happiness as an entitlement. Woo, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to say it again. The disease model train, you, the disease model train us to see happiness. To see happiness as an entitlement. It presumes that happiness is effortless for the normal brain. If you are not effortless happy, you are entitled to a cure, a cure, or happy brain chemicals like dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin, endorphin involved to do specific jobs, not to flow all the time for no reason. They are designed to reward survival behavior. How many people we know in the church and out of the church that is in survival behavior mode? Yeah, yeah. And ultimately, they attach themselves to all of these, um, and I'll just call them addictions for the lack of a better word, um, to pursue or trick their brain into being happy. Mm-hmm. So they manipulate Manipulate, 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 (laughs) (laughs) manipulate their brain to be something that is not because out of those um, neurotransmitters that I name, let me give you understanding why it's important that we take accountability and responsibility for our mental health. So dopamine is known as the feel good neurotransmitter. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's a chemical that fears in information between neurons. The brain releases it when you eat food that we crave or while we have sex, contributing to feelings of a pleasure and satisfaction as part of the reward system. This is important. Neurochemical boosts mood, motivation, and attention, and helps regulate mo- uh, regulate movement, learning, and emotional response. So. When a person is like really addicted to sex or really addicted to food that induces dopamine, they need this dopamine, but they going in the unhealthy way to doing it. Yeah. Okay. And so then we got the serotonin is a chemical messenger that helps the brain and the nervous system cells communicate. 
Its main function is to stabilize your mood as well as your feelings of happiness and well-being. Serotonin play also plays a role in the digestive system and sleep cycle. So when a person is dealing with depression, they lack this because they're always sleeping. They're tired. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so then oxytocin I hope I said that right, right, is a powerful hormone that acts as a neurotransmitter in the brain. It plays an important role in reproduction, initiating contractions between birth as well as milk release. So this is what mothers go through when they're giving birth. And it it is a thought to be involved in broader social cognitive, cognitive and behavior potentially ranging in the mother-infant bonding and romantic connection to group-related attitude and prejudice. So this hormone is produced in, well, I'm not going to get where is it because we have to go dissect the brain. But overall, this is like the relationship part, the connection. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when people struggle with connection, trying to understand and bonding, they stressing out because of this part right here. And then the last one is endorphins. They are hormones that are released in your body, helps you feel pain and stress. They are produced in your brain and act as messengers in your body. Endorphins are produced to help relieve pain, reduce stress, and improve mood. So you get this by exercising, eating right, having sex, getting a massage, and many other ways. So when we begin to take accountability and responsibility for our mental health, we begin to understand how our brain is functioning. So that means you got to talk to the right person mm-hmm. and listen to what this person telling you and how to adequately take care of yourself and do the things. Because a lot of times some of these mental health situations that we are dealing with doesn't necessarily mean medication, mm-hmm. but some do. Sometimes you just need to exercise, change your lifestyle, watch what you say, watch what you're entertaining, um, because a lot of this mental health from a clinical perspective, they believe it is a society problem. So there's a lot going through my mind right now. I know um, it is. I'm looking at your face. There's a lot going through my mind. Well, listen to this, and then I want you to respond. The mindset does not see people as responsible for the consequences of their action because social injustice is responsible. Happy chemicals are stimulated by the act of meeting your needs. You miss out on happy chemicals when you decline to honor your own needs. So I have to, I have to walk slowly through this. Let's work it out. I have to walk slowly through this. So I, I often think about um, how people begin to process and walk through life and do not want to really take the responsibility to appropriately learn about the functions of the brain Mm -hmm. and to learn what the brain needs or what we've trained the brain to need. Those are two different things. Mm -hmm. There are things that the brain needs 
But based off of our own selfish ambition, we have trained the brain to need something more or perverted the brain to need something more or not have the right or healthy relationships or connections or the thinking to make sure that the brain mm-hmm. is functioning properly. Correct. So I had to walk through all of that myself, y'all, to just kind of connect the dots. So um, what defi- you, you, you mentioned lifestyle changing, and I think um, from a uh, spiritual perspective, this is why so many people run to um, a higher power, mm-hmm. whether it's Jesus or whatever they serve. And they look for um, happenings through these avenues. And if we are not careful, we could turn what we should be getting from our our Jesus, because I'm saved. What we should be getting from our Jesus, we can turn it and get it from all the other things that push out the dopamine and all this stuff. Correct. So again, save or unsave who mm-hmm. higher power, not high power, <laughs> however you want to put it. When it comes to our brain and your mental health, it starts with yourself. Mm. Even if you do believe in Jesus all right. Okay. Let me let me break it down church wise. So if you are in church, you're a church going, right? You believe in church, you're a church person. And you're turning to Jesus. Always. 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 At some point, Jesus is gonna tell you to look within. Mm-hmm. Because what he has already provided is already here. It's already within you. You have to look within and start dealing with yourself. Now, if you unchurch. It's still the same process. You cannot walk through your healing until you start dealing within. Happiness does not come all the way through just praying, worship, shouting, dancing, singing, um, reading a book, artwork, listening to music, going on a walk, all of those things. Until we start looking within and start dealing with ourselves. That's is when we're going to start finding that happiness. And that's when we're going to start feeling good about ourselves. Um, I think a lot of times the issue is people are looking for other people to make them feel good. And I'm speaking from personal experience because that's how I used to be. I was a people pleaser. I wanted everyone else to feel good. And then I wanted, and by me making them feel good, I, I wanted them to make me feel good. Mm-hmm. And But until I start dealing with me, that's when I start feeling good about myself. And I did not care how anybody else received me or whatever, because this is my life. This is how I feel. This is my joy. This is my peace. And so only way we're going to get that happiness or joy for our brain to start functioning properly is start looking within. And that is how we take accountability and responsibility. And so, again, that's for both communities, the church and unchurch. We have to start looking within. That's what I wanted to get to, because I think we often 
look at one another from the church and the unchurch perspective. So I'm going to be uh, both sides here. Mm-hmm. The unchurch look at the church as they always being fake. They don't um, acknowledge their feelings. They don't acknowledge their emotions. They don't walk through the process of changing their yes. thinking. They don't even change their lifestyle. They still eat the way they want to eat and blah, blah, yes. blah, 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 blah. Um, and then the church look at the unchurch as if they are living this sinful life mm-hmm. um, and they're not doing what the Bible say do. And because of that, this is why their lives are the way they are. But from what you just said is it doesn't matter where you lie in this spectrum of the church and the unchurch. If we do not ultimately deal with our inner selves, with our inner thoughts, with our inner feelings, with our inner emotions, that we are not living up to the standard of a healthy mind. Correct. Because when we start looking at the church, start pointing fingers at the unchurch and the unchurch pointing fingers at the church, we begin to live a self-righteous life. Yes. It's all about self. I'm this, I'm better. I'm this, I'm that, you know, and it's not when we can be working together and, you know, even from a church perspective, we see so many, so many people still in church, worshiping, praying, believing God, but still stuck, still in bond, still struggling mentally, physically, emotionally, you know, emotion all over the place. Mm-hmm. And so, and we also see that in the unchurch. So I see the same thing, especially in the field that I'm in. I see it. I see those who are in church and those who are not in church. <laughs> so it, it, it is the same. And when you, it doesn't matter who you believe in. You know, I have worked with people who don't believe in God. They are atheists. They claim to be a witch. They claim to be a warlock. They claim to serve um, Buddha. They claim to serve um you know, the stars, the moon, it, it doesn't matter when you get down to the root of it, it's still, they're not dealing with themselves. And so when you bring that question up, what's going on internal, who are you? What do you like? What do you like to do? What is your passion? What is your motive in life to continue to live, to get up in the morning? What is your desires? They can't answer that because of it's still this person did this to me. This person did this and they said this or, you know, society don't like me or the church don't like me or my parent used to go to church. And, you know, it's just all these other excuses. But then when you have the person to put the mirror on themselves and open themselves or I always use the term, let's do surgery. Now, when I open you up, what am I going to find? Yeah, yeah. And I think um, we spend so much time masking the answers to some of those questions you just outlined as, you know, how are you doing? Hallelujah, praise the Lord. How are you doing? I'm fine. Um, And so we mask those answers that you just asked. And I don't want to do no surgery on me. I want to keep living the way I want to live. I want to do what I want to do. And when you... Think about it like that. If we do surgery on you, what you're going to find most of the time as church goers or unchurch goers, we mask behind either the Bible, prayer, um, my job, all these things. And so we have to really pull back and think about 
how do we take responsibility and accountability for our mental health? And I think you've outlined a whole lot of uh, information. Um, so let's 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 think about this from a practical perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, what would be um, a first step to taking responsibility and accountability to your mental health? So the first step, like like I said before, you have to sit down with yourself first and acknowledge acknowledge that you got a problem. Like you really have to acknowledge that you have a problem (laughs) and you have to be honest with yourself. You cannot expect someone else to be honest with you when you can't be honest with yourself. Cause I can come and tell you all day long, Hey, you got a problem. But when you're not honest with yourself, you're going to reject me or you're going to get offensive and you're ready to argue and you're ready to fight because you haven't, sat down and dealt with yourself, dealt with yourself. And so that's the first step. Sit down and, and acknowledge like I got a problem. I got a problem with lying or I got a problem with processing things with people. I got a problem with communicating with people, connecting with people. I got a problem with understanding who I am. I got a problem with um you know, I sleep too much or I got a problem that I'm overeating or I got a problem that I just want to run to this every time I'm triggered by something that reminds me of my past or reminds me of a place that was painful or unforgivable or things or a person, I run to alcohol, I run to drugs or I run to sex or I I run to a book or I run to prayer or I run to worship or I dance or I run to someone pray for me or I run, you know, we have to acknowledge that why am I always running to someone when I don't want to deal with this trigger. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I think the important, the important, the most important piece about that is you're not alone in that. No. Um, and so I think sometimes it, we are afraid to walk down the path of acknowledging and being honest with ourselves because we often feel alone in the process and like we're the only ones going through this, that, or the other. But what we're saying here on this podcast is that no matter who you are, where you are, you will find yourself in a place mm-hmm. where you have to sit down and acknowledge where you are and be honest about some things that need to change. It's not um, foreign. It's not a bad thing. It's not a bad place. It's it's part of growth. It's called maturity. (laughs) Yes. That is what it's called. And if you are an adult, it's called adulting. Yes, exactly. (laughs) And if you are a teen or a child, it's called childhood going in going into adult, you know, but it's not a bad thing. And I think that's another um, thing that we need to change our yeah. viewpoint, our perspective. When I start dealing with myself and dealing with my issues, oh, it's woe is me, it's bad. You know, the church used condemnation. You know, it is not bad. It is a healthy place to examine yourself. That's the word. <laughs> it is a healthy place to examine yourself. Um, oftentimes you, and I'm going to say this, and I'm just speaking from personal experience for myself. 
we can examine everybody else, oh, our families. So we can examine people on our jobs. We can go into the grocery store and examine people. Why we can't examine ourselves? Yeah. If you can put all that energy doing it for someone else, you can do it for yourself. But it's hard to face the man and woman in the mirror because then you have to see the real you. You you're no longer looking at the mask. You're no longer looking at the cover up. And you no longer have those voices of people telling you, oh, you're awesome. You're beautiful. You're handsome. You're, you're this. Your gifts is this. And, you know, you, your drive is this. And I love when you, you don't have those voices. It's just you and you <laughs> dealing with you. Me, myself, and I. Yes. And so that is the hard part to deal with your own self. And so that is why you have to put yourself in a place of dealing with yourself. Um, I do believe in journaling. If it is hard for you to look into a mirror, sit down and start writing out what your pain is and what your triggers are or what is the issue in at hand for you that's causing you to be stressed, that's causing you to be depressed, that's causing you to want to overeat that cause you to want to turn to someone for sex that wants or you want to always turn to someone for help instead of helping yourself or you turn to some unhealthy things for help and for comfort instead of helping and comforting yourself and um, I also want to say this when you want to turn to someone for love instead of you having unconditional love for yourself so that is a huge factor right there. When we refuse to deal with ourselves, is because we do not have unconditional love for ourselves. Because when you have unconditional love for yourself, that's when you give yourself grace. That's when you give yourself peace. You give yourself understanding to go through this process of understanding who you are. And so that is the first step, the acknowledgement. The second step, I would say, after you acknowledge what's going on with you, put a plan in place. How am I going to deal with this now? Who do I need to go to for help if this is a serious matter? I'm not here to diagnose anybody. We're not here for that. But if you have some serious issues when you realize, oh, I'm doing this because I was abused or I was molested or I got a drug problem. You know, those serious things that you know you can't break on your own or you can't overcome it on your own. What do you need to do? Do you need to make an appointment with a therapist? Do you need to talk to someone that is qualified, again, qualified to help you in those serious areas? And so that that's that's the second step. The third step. And this is where responsibility and accountability come in together. The third step is you have to listen to those skills that they give you and put it to work. I call it application. They're going to give you applications of life or application from a clinical perspective or application in how to walk through your journey, the proper steps to take, you have to put it in place. Now, if you go to someone who is very qualified to handle your situation, they're going to give you application and how to continue to move forward and an application just in case you fall. Why? Because we're not perfect beings. You're going to slip up. You're going to mess up. You know, you may have a very bad day during that journey, 
but they're going to give you those application and what to do when you have a bad day. So those are the three things that I would say it's not very hard to do um, to put a plan in place. It, the hard work is the accountability part um, because you got to hold yourself accountable. And if you have someone else that is close to you um, that is honest and not, you know, enabling you, let them hold you accountable to, to remind you of your purpose, remind you of your goal, remind you of your journey. But those are the things that you have to do through your mental health, because it's really not a mystery. It's a mystery because we don't talk about it, mm-hmm. but mental health has been an issue since the beginning of time. Even if you're not a believer, it's still an issue since the beginning of time. We can look at it when we go into the book of Genesis. Okay, um, Adam and Eve, they had some mental issues, like battling with thoughts, battling with emotions, battling with feelings. Adam had it first before Eve came. He had some emotional stress going on. You got me naming all these animals, but I ain't got nobody. I'm stressed here. Where's my mate? I can't mate with this person. Where's my God? You know what I'm saying? So when we begin to really understand that what we're dealing with in today's society is not new, we just don't talk about it when we're not honest. So let's start being honest and let's start talking. If you're around someone who's belittling you, then you know that is not the crowd for you. That is not the audience for you. That is not a healthy support system. So you may have to walk alone. You may have to do this alone with you and your person that is walking you through the journey until a, a, you know, support, another support system come along or another accountability partner, you know, will come and support you through the journey. Amen. Those are some good practical steps. Um, I always like to leave practical steps because I think sometimes we make it so much more harder than what it is. And, we have to stop looking at, you know, acknowledging what we're going through as a myth or something bad or taking on condemnation and, you know, thinking bad about ourselves. And my wife mentioned, you know, loving yourself unconditionally. I think that is important because if we love ourselves unconditionally, it's easier to love others. And, um, you know, and I'm a believer. So the Bible say, Love God, love yourself, love others. And so I think that is so important. And if we don't ever look within and we don't ever um, see ourselves and acknowledge our issues, we'll never know how to truly love ourselves and love others. Yeah. And if you have a child or, you know, a teen or uh, adolescent, you know, that is battling these things because even mental health now is trickling down to our elementary children. Um, Same steps apply, but the way that you will work with them is on a more practical level, you know, help them to understand what it like. I will encourage to be honest, be honest with teenagers, be honest with um, the adolescent, be honest with these children you know, you, you know, they are dealing with some serious stuff now. 
compared to what we dealt with in school. Mm-hmm. They're dealing with a lot of stuff from television, from, you know, social media. And then when they go to school, they're hearing conversations going on in school from other peers. And so much is going on. And we do not think about the level of trauma that our children are experiencing just by words. Yeah. So we have to learn to teach them how to overcome words. Yeah. And the does I want to say like this um dissect words of abuse and you know words that words of abuse and also words of affirmation you know teach them what what is positive what is negative and how to overcome those negative words in a yeah. healthy way and not you know in abandonment way or rejection or feel offensive but show them how to overcome it in a healthy way because they are dealing with a lot because if we don't catch it now as they get to be teenagers and adults that's when the diagnosis will get more heavy yeah and and teaching them that they don't have to accept everything that people say to them and i think um i think i think my i don't know our parents tried to do a good job of that um you know but because somebody said you're ugly, because somebody called you fat, black, and this and the other, you don't have to accept that. No. You accept who you are and know that you are beautiful, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And when people begin when people see that, they understand that their words don't hurt you. Mm-hmm. So and I know words hurt. I'm not saying they don't, but I don't have to accept them. I can acknowledge how it made me feel, but I can turn that thing around and say, no, I'm not this. Yeah. I'm that. They're not allowed to take root. So it's very important that we begin to build up the next generation in a positive way. So um, as you can see, this is a, a, a passion of ours, especially minds when it comes to mental health, because we don't talk about it. Um, we really do not talk about it, especially in the um, black community. Do not talk about it. It's just now getting started and it is not being talked about like it needs to be in a church. Um, it is so good that they want to put scripture to it. You know, or the prophet was depressing. This That is good. But how do we overcome it? You know, so if you are a church believer and you hear this podcast, thank you so much. But also I want. I I need, I don't want to say one, I need for every believer to not just always put scripture to a person who is dealing with mental health, but be compassionate with them, be loving with them, be kind with them, be just with them, walk with them in a Christ-like manner and not throwing scripture because scripture is not going to help them when they're not understanding who they are in this moment. So walk with them, encourage them, affirm them in who they are and how they are loved. Even if they're a church of a believer or non-believer, just love on them and encourage them. And you can speak truth to a person in a loving, kind, gentle way, um, because that would go a long way. And if you're not a a church believer and you listen to us, we thank you for following us and listening to us most definitely. And it's the same process as well. Love that person, affirm them, encourage them, walk with them through their mental mental health journey. We have too many people 
leaving this world before their time because of mental health, because people do not understand them. People are not compassionate. Mm-hmm. But here's the thought that I want to leave with everyone before we close. If we stop pointing fingers at everyone else and start sitting down and looking at ourselves based off the information that we have been providing over the time, think about your mental health compa- um, capacity. There are times when you are stressed. There are times when you are depressed. There are times where you are absolutely frustrated with your family, with your children, with your jobs or whatnot, and you have panic attacks, anxiety, whatnot. How do you want to be treated? What is your expectation for someone to treat you when you are in that place? Show the same grace and compassion to the next person. When we do that, we can build a healthy, stable world. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and for those of you who feel like you just have to use scripture, how about you apply it? When you apply it, you meet the need of the people and not showing how smart you are in the Bible. So, all right. So, yeah, you've been listening to, Another episode of Let's Chat It Up Now. We are in this thing now. And so stay tuned for more episodes. Um, I think we may have one or two more on the mysteries of mental health. And then we'll be moving into addiction. Addiction. So I'm ready for that one. Oh, oh. I'm ready ready for that one. She ready (laughs) for that one. So, yeah, you have been tuning in to Let's Chat It Up Now. We thank you all for listening to us. Thank you so uh, much. We appreciate you all. Appreciate you all.